Hello everybody, Dr. Rick Wallace here dropping in on you. I hope that you guys are having a great start to your day. I hope that uh, we have passed the midweek point and I hope that things are going the way that you desire for them to go. If not, remain consistent, remain focused, and press the reset button if necessary. But don't give in, don't quit. And on that note, I want to come to you and talk to you about something uh, that always seems to find a way to get under my craw. But before I do, I want to remind you to support the work we're doing at the Odyssey Project. We've got a lot going on, including a 15-city tour. I've named uh, the first 12 of those cities where we're going to actually go in and build programs for communities in these cities. This is what's going. This is just going to be a start of a building of a national network to promote the Black Men Lead Rite of Passage Initiative, Restoring Ghettos Forgotten Daughters, uh, the Black Empowerment Initiative, Music is Life programs. And I'm going to go into these cities and spend a week in each city working with community leaders in that city to implement these programs. And I want to do it where the community will not have to be responsible for covering my travel expenses. And also, I can't keep taking away from my own house covering them. So I'm asking you guys to support the work we're doing in that. Um, uh, the uh, cities we have right now are Memphis, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, St. Louis, Miami, Los Angeles, New Orleans, and Detroit. I'm going to be adding a minimum of four more cities to that. Uh, I would love to get suggestions and ideas and requests for those cities. Wilmington is definitely uh, popping up on the radar a lot. Uh, Wilmington, Delaware, we'll see how that goes. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, requests for Wilmington, but there's also been a lot of pushback. Uh, so I'm trying to see, you know, what the city really wants. Uh, you've got to have a desire to fix things and a lot of infighting is going on. So we'll see how that goes. But definitely look in the description box uh, at the ways that you can give and support the work we're doing. We're trying to get this started. We're well behind in the fundraising uh, category. Uh, that, that's been the story, but we have continued to uh, push forward and we will continue to do so, but we definitely need your help. Now, on to the reason why I'm here. Once again, Candace Owens has opened her big mouth and stepped all over something that almost at this point, I would say a great deal of blacks hold sacred, and that is this energy and this momentum being built uh, that is heavily connected to the death of George Floyd. Now, what we must first understand is that this energy isn't just because of the death of George Floyd. That was the final straw. That was the uh, uh, the flash uh, in the pan that set everything off, but it was a co consistent lightning strike after lightning strike after lightning strike until it finally uh, tipped over. This was the tipping point, so to speak. And so... Uh, I want you to look at what she's saying. She has come on and she is basically basically saying that she doesn't like the fact that uh, George Floyd, like so many other black brothers who were killed, who had 
criminal backgrounds are being made into martyrs and heroes within the black community and that black people are the only race of uh, a, a group of people who sit up and celebrate and champion the lowest denominator in their collective that those who are less productive more criminal minded and all of this are the ones that we uplift and we promote uh first of all that's foolishness second of all uh, George Floyd isn't a martyr. George Floyd is a murder victim. There's a difference. A martyr is someone who actually has a specific cause that they are purposely fighting for and killed because of that uh, choice and stance that they're making. They become a martyr for the cause. Um, now, we may find out at some point that maybe uh, George Floyd had something going on that did uh center around a cause but as of right now he was killed solely because uh an arab store owner thought that he passed off a counterfeit bill which we now know to be a real twenty dollar bill so it wasn't even a real crime and he ended up dead uh based on the independent findings of a coroner because the officer put too much pressure on his neck and it uh it uh caused asphyxiation and so he suffocated to death. So we know that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play this video. I hope it doesn't get me a strike for copywriting. It looks like she just shot it on her own. So I don't think that and somebody else shared it. So hopefully I don't get a, a copyright strike for it. Uh, but I want to share it with you. And then I'm going to come back real briefly and I'm going to talk about this. And then I'm going to let you guys kind of weigh in on it. I don't want to. I want to hear what you have to say about it. All right. Here is the video, check it out. Hello, Facebook family. Um, I have decided to do this video. It has been weighing very heavily on my heart um, and on my mind as well. And it was something that I wanted to say early on, but there were so many emotions and so much pressure um, for me to go with the popular opinion about who George Floyd was. Um, and sometimes it can be difficult when there are just so many external pressures to say what you believe and this was an instance where I felt like my silence would have been better in the beginning but the more that I think about it I realize that we are being sold a lot of lies and at the detriment to the black community at the detriment to the white community and at the detriment to America as a whole so I um, want to come out and say that I do not support George Floyd and the media depiction of him as a martyr for black America. I'm going to explain why and I hope that some of you guys will understand where I'm coming from. Um, I have spent a considerable amount of time reading a lot um, of black authors that I think are some of the most brilliant black Americans breathing. Um, Walter Williams, Shelby Steele, Thomas Sowell, and I recently came across something that was an idea that was planted into my head by Shelby Steele and it has been something that I cannot um, forget. It is something that will stick with me for the rest of my life and it is something that I hope for the black Americans that are watching will stick with you for the rest of your life. Shelby Steele said that the black community is unique from other communities. Um, our, our culture is unique from other communities um, because we are the only community that caters to the bottom denominator of our society. Now let me explain what that means. Um, it means to say that not every black American is a criminal, not every black American is committing crimes, but we are unique in that we are the only people that fight 
and scream and demand support and justice for the people in our community that are up to no good. You would be hard pressed to find um, you know, a Jewish person who has spent five stints in prison, uh, who commits a crime and dies while committing a crime, and that the Jewish people champion and demand justice for. You will be hard pressed to find this in white America. You'll be hard pressed to find this even in Latino America. Uh, if there is a person that is spent multiple times in prison, you are not going to see a bunch of Latinos coming out um, demanding justice for this person, even if, and I want to be very clear, what I'm saying is not any defense for Derek Chauvin. I hope Derek Chauvin gets the justice that, um, that he deserves to be um, you know, implemented upon him and that the family um, of George Floyd deserves justice for the way that he, that he died. Um, but I also am not going to accept the narrative that this is the best the black community has to offer. For whatever reason, it has become fashionable over the last uh, five or six years for us to turn criminals into heroes overnight. Um, and it is something that I find to be despicable and it's something that I refuse to stand by any longer and I am not going to play a part in it no matter how much pressure comes from black liberals and black conservatives as, as some token of people wanting you to believe that this is the only way you can be black is you have to say this was wrong and that this you know this person was amazing. I won't do that. Uh, George Floyd was not an amazing person um, and as soon as this video hit the internet I did just basic searches. Uh, everyone jumped on it and called and, and was looking at the police officer and everyone agrees that the police officer was wrong and the police officer has been arrested. Um, so that is not, the reason I'm not discussing that is because that is not something that has been misconstrued in the media. Uh, he has been turned into the devil that he is and there is no reason for us to harp on that any longer because white Americans are not uplifting Derek Chauvin as a victim or pretending that he's an amazing human being. But George Floyd is being uplifted as an amazing human being. Um, and uh, for those of you who have not yet seen the clips and did not pursue or wait for more clips to come out, uh, first and foremost, George Floyd at the time of his arrest was high on fentanyl and he was high on methamphetamine. Uh, this came back in both of his autopsy reports. Uh, if you pursue the 911 transcript, you can see the person describing somebody who is out of their mind high, um, and which is what made the person fearful because he tried to, you know, to uh, use a, a, a bill that I guess was a fake bill to purchase something and then he was outside acting weird and they in their police call said that this person was obviously distorted on drugs. Uh, when he is put into handcuffs and is put against the wall, a baggie of what looks to be like uh, cocaine or uh, some, it's, it's white, it's a white baggie that he drops onto the floor that you can see in an image. If you look up the clip, the media is refusing to circulate it. You can find it on Twitter. If you if you use DuckDuckGo and look up um, George Floyd baggie, uh, you can watch the clip yourself with your own eyes. Uh, he had drugs on him at the time of his arrest. Um, now, barring all of that, nobody thinks that he should have died during this arrest, but what I find despicable to be is that everyone is pretending that this man lived a heroic lifestyle when he didn't, and I want to talk about what his lifestyle was um, leading up to this moment and why I refuse to accept the narrative that this person is is a martyr or, or should be lifted up in the black community and that we should be buying t-shirts uh, with his name on it, okay? So here we have, first and foremost, let's start from the bottom of his record. And by the way, I am not saying that if you have a record, you don't deserve a second chance. I think people get arrested um, and some people can serve time in prison. And I believe in second chances, but I do draw the line when it comes to uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, ch and ninth chances. 1998, he spent uh, 
10 months in prison for theft with a firearm. Uh, that was the first prison stint that I could find on him. In 2002, he spent eight months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2004, just two years later, he spent another 10 months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2005, he spent another 10 months in prison for having um, less than one gram of cocaine on him again. Um, in 2007, and this was the biggest instant um, uh, that I had that made me realize this was a horrible human being that I, would, I, I am not going to pretend was a good person. In 2005, a woman who was pregnant uh, received a knock at the door um, and she went to the door and the person pretended to be someone that worked um, for the water department. So she opened her door and quickly realized that the person at her door did not work for the water department and attempted to slam it. Um, at the moment that she was attempting to slam it, a Ford pulled up and another five men jumped out of the car and one of which was George Floyd came up to the door and they forced their way inside to her home, uh, inside of her home. Um, mind you, this woman is pregnant. At that point, uh, George Floyd took out a gun and pressed it to her stomach. Um, as she was screaming, begging for her life, and, uh, and he put her inside of her living room and instructed one of his criminal friends that was with him uh, to watch her and to make sure she didn't leave the living room. So he was playing guard while they ransacked her home looking for drugs and money. They did not find um, drugs. They ended up taking, I believe, her wallet and her cell phone. Fortunately for her, her neighbor um, observed what was going on and caught the license plate of the people as they pulled off and called 911. And when 911 was able to, um, they were able to track down the car uh, of which uh, George Floyd was the driver. Um, and they arrested him and two years later, he was sentenced to five years in prison um, for that instance. Um, now, you can say uh, the media is portraying it like he was just getting his life together after you know being released in 2014 following that incident. Uh, he was just getting his life together and, and moved and was gonna start afresh. I'd like to believe all of those things and there's a gap and he never got in trouble for five years until this incident when the police were called on him again. Um, uh, but you are defying common sense to believe that this person suddenly became an exemplary character but happened to be high on fentanyl and methamphetamine um, and, and trying to use a bill, um, a fake bill to purchase something. And so in my opinion, uh, George Floyd was a criminal. <laughs> he was a criminal. And just because he was a criminal doesn't mean he deserved to die at the knee of a police officer. But it does mean that I am not going to play a part of the broken black culture that always wants to martyr criminals, who wants to pretend they were these upstanding human beings that just wanted to help society, uh, that just wanted to reach out um, and, and uplift society. And we're, he has a rap sheet that is long, that is dangerous. He was an example of a violent criminal his entire life. Okay, up until the very last moment. Now, again, I want to be clear. This is not a defense for Derek Chauvin. No one in, that I have spoken to, no one in the news is defending Derek Chauvin. He is getting what he has coming to him. Okay, great. But why are we pretending that this criminal should be upheld as a citizen, uh, a, 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 of a, as a martyr in black America? A martyr for a fake narrative, by the way. Police brutality, racially motivated police brutality is a myth. Okay, so let's get into that. 
Not only are we using this death, right, and allowing it to cause these riots and protests, pretending this was some upstanding citizen in the black community who was tackled down um, and, and killed for no reason, right? Not only are we allowing it to inspire riots, riots in which black people are dying, in which actual upstanding black citizens are dying. Case in point, I'm sure you guys have all now seen uh, David, uh, the, the sheriff that just was shot and killed uh, because he was trying to protect uh, a, a pawn shop. Please look him up if you haven't seen it. I'm blanking on his last name. His first name is David, um, who was shot and killed for trying to protect a pawn shop from looters. An upstanding citizen, an actual head of a police, he was the head of a police his entire life, 77 years old, did everything right, right? So we now have to kill upstanding black citizens because a non-upstanding black citizen, a career black criminal died. Now, did he deserve to die in that manner? No, I can't say it enough. No, he didn't deserve to die in that manner. But I will be damned if the rest of us upstanding black citizens have to suffer because of this incident that rarely ever happens in America. So here are some numbers for you people that are still believing that police brutality is a real, racially motivated police brutality is a real thing. First and foremost, okay, you have a 25% higher chance as a violent white criminal of dying at the hands of a police officer than you do as a black criminal. Last year, a total of nine unarmed black black men were killed by police officers and 19 white men were killed by police officers. For those of you that aren't good at mathematics, right? You might be thinking, oh, but Candace, white people represent 60% of the population and black people represent just 13% of the population. It doesn't matter what percentage of the population you represent, it matters what percentage of the violent criminal community you represent. And unfortunately, black community create uh, um, commits a disproportionate amount of crimes compared to the white community. Let me tell you, 6% of the population, right? Black men, 6% of the population account for 44% of all murders in this country, according to 2018 statistics. That is what you call a gap. And yet white people, white people who represent 60% of the population, we represent 13, uh, black men are 6%, uh, only, uh, represent 50% of all the murders, right? That makes no sense. That, that makes no sense. A six point variation in a community where we are, we are extreme minorities. We commit 50% of all violent offenses, evenly split, and we're only 13% of the population, okay? So we have a lot more encounters with police officers. And don't say the police officers are coming around because we're black. I'm talking about violent criminals. I'm talking about murder, 44% of murders, okay? You wanna talk about real statistics? The, the, the police officers have way more to be fearful of in the black community than the other way around, okay? We commit, on average, a, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black person than the other way around, okay? So this entire narrative is complete smoke and mirrors. It's all made up, it's just election fodder. It's white versus black because it's an election year, not because black Americans are suffering at the hands of police officers more than white Americans. Do some police officers do the wrong thing? Yes. I don't think there's anybody in the world who has not encountered a police officer and thought this person is an absolute jerk who is power tripping, whether you are black or white. We know they exist. And we know they're always going to exist, by the way, because they're human beings. And sometimes human beings suck. In fact, if you want to attack a community for, for you know accidental slayings or brutality, did you know that doctors accidentally kill a quarter of a million people every year because of mistakes? Did you know there's there's been doctors that have been arrested for being serial killers that just were killing people because they wanted to 
Do we protest and boycott doctors? Do we assume all doctors are horrible human beings because some doctors are? Or do we realize that society is not perfectible? People suck in every profession. It is no excuse to paint society with a broad brush. It is certainly no excuse to accept a Democrat narrative, okay, that black people are being disproportionately hunted down by police officers because of the color of their skin. You want to know the best way to avoid not being not being brutalized by a police officer is to not is to is to lo- limit the amount of encounters you need to have with them, especially when it comes to violent crimes, okay? I am not going to stand for this continual bottom-feeding narrative of us martyring people that have had five, six, seven stints in prison and then pretending they were upstanding heroes to our community. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Excuse my language. It's absolute bullshit. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to play pretend. I'm tired of sitting here and being called a coon or an Uncle Tom because I won't play this bottom-feeding game with you. If you want to hang up posters of criminals on your wall and talk about them as your martyrs, do it. Do it. You can do it. Kobe Bryant was my idol, okay? I'll keep a photo I'll keep a photo of Kobe Bryant. You can keep one of George Floyd and pretend he was an upstanding human being that just once or twice put a gun across a pregnant woman's belly. Could you imagine that woman right now? That black woman, by the way, right? Watching everybody pretend this person was an upstanding human being who just at the age of 42 after and five prison stints was going to get his life together. I mean, it's embarrassing. We are embarrassing in that regard, right? This is why we have a cycle and a toxic culture because nobody wants to tell the truth in black America. It's so easy to be a victim. It's so easy to ask black, white people to bow down and apologize and do all these things for us. It's crap. It's crap. It's a lie. It's a farce. Our biggest problem is us, okay? It's why we don't talk about it when black on black crime happens. It's why we don't talk about it when 40 40 black people are killed in one weekend during Memorial Weekend um, in Chicago. We don't want to talk about any of that stuff. We don't want to talk about Baltimore. We don't want to talk about New Jersey. We don't want to talk about any of these places where black people are being slaughtered by other blacks because that that would mean that we had to be personally accountable, right? That would mean personal responsibility. We don't do personal responsibility in our community. We don't do it. We blame white people. Right? We only point a camera to white people when they do something, even though we do it at a way higher rate to ourselves, right? We celebrate our drug dealers. We're the only community, right, that would ever create hashtags to free people from prison because they committed crimes, like free Meek Mill, free this rapper, free this rapper. How hard is it to not spend multiple times in prison? How difficult is that? Is that too hard for us? Is, I mean, is that way too high of a mountain for us to scale to do the right thing to be upstanding citizens? That is the call to action that I have for Black America with Blexit. Like, why do we keep fulfilling this narrative? What do you think the perception of us, by the way, is on the outside? You ever look at the comments? You ever go into like an anonymous blog and see what people say? Oh, just Black people being Black people. I see those racist comments. Oh, just Black people got to riot. Black people got to be Black people. You know how they are. Oh, just Black people being ignorant. That That is the perception. When people get to be anonymous and talk about us, that's what they think about us, right? They think that... We are the kind of people that will forever uphold criminals as the martyrs of our society, that we will never take account for the things that we do wrong, right? That we don't have it within us to educate ourselves to get ahead. And that for those of us that actually do it, well, we get called coons, right? You got Condoleezza Rice, she's a coon. Larry Elder, he's a coon. Dr. Ben Carson, brain surgeon first ever to perform uh, the surgery of splitting uh, twins that are connected by the head. He's a coon, right? What a loser he is. What a stupid guy he is. Kanye West says he he's not going to be told to do it because of the color of his skin. He's a coon. He's lost. He's in the sunken place, the sunken place. That's where we all are, right? 
because we demand more and we will get more out of this society because we will be we, we're going to get ahead right that's what's going to happen we're going to get ahead black conservatives get ahead because we don't subscribe to this narrative because you're not going to catch me outside trying to grab a tv pretending that it's because a martyr named george floyd got killed okay i'm a big believer that no matter what color you are you do stupid things you win stupid prizes okay we have to do better. We have to teach our kids better. Or we're not going to get ahead, right? Anyways, this is just a rant because I have been feeling super, super, super annoyed at these depictions in society. I, I have, you know, I have no apologies here to make. Uh, George, George Floyd is not my martyr. He can be yours. That's, and that's all I have to say to Black America. All right, great. Um, you got to see the whole video for those of you who could watch the whole thing. Uh, bless you. Uh, my thing is, I'm going to be very brief about this. Like I said, I want to hear more about what you have to say. Candace Owens has to be seen for who she is. Uh, her alliances and those who she has affixed herself with and to is a clear indication of who she is and where she's going. I have often said that the greatest threat to black progress is a black person with a white agenda. Candace Owens has a white agenda. Candace Owens has a white racist husband. Candace Owens has been champ championing uh, white Republican rhetoric uh, for years now. She has chosen her place. She has chosen where she will eat and how she will eat. And she will defend that at all costs. She will use her association or identity as a black person, quote unquote, African-American, when it benefits the talking narratives of non-blacks. She has never stepped in with any force and any decisiveness and spoke to the true issues that are plaguing the black community. That's not why she's there. She has been chosen and given a platform to counter the, the scholarly, the social awareness, and so many other components of those of us who speak and clearly um, express the realities of the black experience. She is the anti-argument or the argument, uh, the anti-racist argument against what we're saying exists in this country as a racial caste system. While she will sit up and say that racism is not the issue and that racism no longer exists as we define it, but then find out that she got her boost from a discrimination, uh, racial discrimination lawsuit. So she's very keenly aware of the true nature and reality of this racial caste system and how deeply this racial caste system has institutionalized racist tenets and policies and laws and bylaws into every orifice and institution within this country. And so to sit up and purposely lie knowing the truth gives you an indication of the type of person she is from a place of character. Now, it could be very well possible that she has said it so much and that she has been associated with a side of the spectrum for so long that she actually believes it. See, there are people who can be led to believe there's a large number of our more affluent blacks, our more successful blacks, as defined by the Eurocentric idea of what's successful. There is a substantial number of them who have been convinced that their success means 
that racism no longer exists. There's a large part of the population that even uh, non-affluent blacks believe that racism isn't the same in America because we had a black president. And that means that they don't understand, like Dr. Neely Fuller Jr. said decades ago, that until you understand white supremacy, how it works, how it impacts you, everything that you think you know will only confuse you. And that is what we're dealing with. But with Candace Owens, she has become a cancer a toxic uh, implant or, or, or growth within the black collective that has planted herself there not to bring about clarity, not to bring about empowerment, not to bring about enlightenment, but to confuse issues, to uh, disorient ideas and movements, to be a buffer. And we have to recognize her for who she is. We must call her on this BS when she steps out and says this to sit up and go after the brother. First of all, let me be very clear to you. We don't see George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Joshua Johnson, Trayvon Martin, and so many others as martyrs. Martyrs are those who die for a cause. They're not martyrs. They're murder victims. There were people who were senselessly and unnecessarily killed because of who they were. And so in that instance, that's who they are. And we don't necessarily see them as heroes. They simply happen to be the face, the symbol, the sign of what we experience, what we feel, and how we, how we are really and truly experiencing things. They are the symbol, the face. It's not that we're declaring them as being heroes. And let me explain something. When you talk about them being the lowest uh, denominator within the black collective and a poor, represent, poor representation of blackness, they still are black. And no matter what they've done, unless they have been found guilty by a court of law and legally sentenced to death, death as a response to any wrong they've done is still wrong. And we have a right and a responsibility as black people to stand up and illuminate and bring light to and challenge anytime something like that happens. That's our responsibility. We we are not gonna throw our our uh our 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 children, our men, our women, our kids away because of mistakes they've made. No other race does that. No other race is is demanded that they turn and throw away those. Matter of fact uh, where, we, where we allowed ours to be taken and thrown into prison for drug addiction problems associated with crack cocaine all the way from the 80s through the 90s and into the uh, new the new millennium, uh, they are uh, demanded that theirs receive treatment um, for the same things uh, and light sentences in, in, in situations where their addictions have led to crimes. And it's complete opposite for us. And you have to understand the disproportionality by which we are dealt with in the legal system is a part of the problem. The disproportionality as the way of access to financial resources that create situations in which crime does not have to be an option. You have to understand that crime increases anywhere where poverty has increased. Impoverished areas are going to be more blighted by crime because crime becomes a necessity for feeding your family. You have three ways. I was explaining that to a client this morning. You have three ways through which you feed your family. No matter how many ways you elaborate on it, no matter how elaborate your debates come around criminology and penology, at the end of the day, it's real simple. You either have an income, meaning that you have a job or you own your own business. 
that's one that's the way that everyone should prefer to get it done it's on your own doing your thing making a living uh the second way is through social programs or charity in some way you qualify for assistance that allows you to feed your family pay your bills keep a roof over the head of the people you're responsible for taking care of and finally crime if you do not have an income and you do not qualify for assistance you will have to participate in some form of criminal activity whether it's selling drugs whether it's boosting clothes whether it's hustling on the side of the street selling stolen goods whether it's robbing homes whether whatever other thing you can come up with it is simply the third mechanism and we act like we don't know that a bunch of other impoverished and uh, immigrant races came over here and used crime to lift them up out of the dredges of the ghettos like the Italians. We act like that this is something that is an exclusive phenomenon to blacks. I know I am not giving a pass to crime. I'm, think, I'm saying that crime has to be a focus on uh, our strategic movements and it's a part of the blueprint that how we deal with crime but we cannot let a narrative be written that some kind of way that we are naturally proclivitous to crime and that is something within us that drives us to crime and violence and not the environment itself not the reality not the systemic racism the systemic poverty the systemic social structuring that funnels us to a, an environment, an environment in which we are suffocated and uh, from, from the lack of access to resources. We have to be realistic and we have to talk about how this is being done so that we can strategically arm ourselves with the right type of tools, intellectually, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, financially, socially, academically, so that we can move in the way we need to move to empower our youth. So in essence, what I'm getting at here is when people like Miss 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 Candace comes on and starts talking about we are we're celebrating a criminal. No, we are mourning a victim. We are mourning a black man who had a right to live. No court had said any other in any way otherwise. And so we have a right to be upset. We have the right to galvanize. You have to understand that this movement, what happens is she's upset because it's become such a strong movement, that it's become such a powerful scope through which people are now globally seeing into the 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 reality of what Americas are like, especially when America moves around the globe, uh, presenting itself as this moral superior, morally superior country that has a right to monitor, manage, and dictate what everyone else is doing, and so it's a problem. So absolutely, she's going to be the mouthpiece to push back on the idea that we should be really up up in. Uh, arms about what happened to this brother. Uh, my thing is, if we're going to base how we love our brothers and how we live for our brothers and how we speak for our brothers and how we stand for our brothers based on the fact of whether or not they have a record, there's going to be a lot of people who we're going to leave by the wayside who still have a lot to give and a lot to offer. And we have to understand that the system has made us 
who we are in many instances. I'm not talking about removing the responsibility of personal choice. I'm saying you're responsible for the decisions you make, but understand what the influences are that lead to that decision. On that note, look, I'm going to get out of here. And once again, I'm reminded, support the work we're doing. We absolutely unequivocally need your support we're going to do some great things despite everything that's happened at the beginning of 2020 we're going to close our 2020 as a victory in a victory and we are going to need your help to do it but we are definitely going that direction that's where we're headed and we want to thank you again call out candace owens on this crap on twitter on facebook on instagram light her up don't forget Check out Marion. For those of you who don't know who Marion is, Marion is my wife. Don't forget to check out her new channel, uh, Restoring Ghetto's Forgotten Daughter, which is, again, a part of what we're doing at the Odyssey Project. But check out her new channel. Go over there and subscribe and get ready for some unbelievably powerful content. Uh, that's it for now. I'm out of here. Peace. Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace here, dropping in with a little special announcement for those who have followed me for any stretch of time you know outside of the businesses that i run like myriad business solutions the visionetics institute odyssey media group i also do a great deal of work inside of the inner city communities uh in houston dallas and other areas uh masking now as we push a fundraiser that you support what the odyssey project is doing in the inner cities uh, especially with programs like Black Men Lead, which is a rite of passage uh, initiative, and Restoring Ghetto for, Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters, which is a program focused on helping young girls, but boys as well, suffering from childhood sexual abuse, uh, rape, molestation, domestic abuse, uh, absentee fatherhood, and so many other things. Uh, the information will be in the box. Thank you.